everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Steinman. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bulletproof Hygiene. We are so excited. We have our first repeat guest today, Dr. Uche Odiatu. Um, If you didn't hear him on our last podcast, you need to go back and check it out. It was episode 16 on immune health and hygiene. Um, And he actually made a significant impact on just Brittany and I in our personal lives and what we're doing for immune health and sleep health. So we are super excited to welcome him back today. Um, If you've never experienced him before, he is absolutely a champion of health and wellness. Um, And his collection of knowledge and information is just a wealth to the dental industry as he travels and speaks and writes and shares his passion for living our best lives. He is a practicing dentist out of Toronto, Canada, um, and he really practices what he preaches in the world of total health and wellness. So we are super excited today because he is going to talk to us about one of his greatest passions, which is gut health and the impact that can have on us both personally as clinicians, but also as providers to our patients and how we can help them with that too. So um, we are just super grateful for you joining us again, Dr. Odiatu. Um, And I've got my paper and my pen ready right here legitimately because I know that there's gonna be so many takeaways that I'm ready and excited to implement. So I wanna start off with just saying, what got you interested in gut health? Where did this start for you? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in looking at foundational principles. I think many people, when they want to get in shape or they want to look at wellness uh, as dentists and hygienists, we always make it more complicated. I think smart people always seem to make a subject can be simplified into a really complicated task. So my whole bent on it is I want a different angle because many people don't start living healthy, talking about microbiome, acting on microbiome until they understand it all, which is a big mistake because it'll take forever just because like medical practice, dental practice, nutritional practice is all about an evolving subject that's very fluid. So for me, because of my focus on foundational principles, as soon as I heard about microbiome, as soon as I heard about bacteria and single cell organisms being primordial, when I heard that you know bacteria have been on the planet for three and a half billion years and they're permanent residents, they could survive nuclear waste, they're on volatile sulfur hot springs at the bottom of the ocean, some of them don't need oxygen, I thought, Let's go to the fundamentals of where it all started. And then when I found out that single-celled organisms outnumber human cells in the body 10 to 1, I was sold. I'm like, I need to know more, I need to know more about this. Yeah, so you use the phrase microbiome. Tell me a little bit more about what that means and what, what, what we hear, like what are some other phrases for that that we're hearing right now? Yeah, great question. Microbiome actually adds the genetic footprint on because basically we, we talked about the bacteria being like a flora. It used to be called microflora because when scientists first looked at them, they looked at it as a plant kingdom, but it's not necessarily plants. So it's really microbiota is probably the correct term. Microbiome adds a concept of the genetic footprint. You see, 
Um, we have 21,000 protein coding genes, the three of us here and the other 7 billion people on the planet, Elon Musk, Donald Trump, you name it, 21,000 protein coding genes. The microbiome, there's about 1,000 to 2,000 uh, species of single-celled organisms living in our body. They have a collective genetic footprint anywhere from 4 million to 10 million genes. So when you look at something that's got four to 10 million genes living in a body with 21,000 protein coding genes, they have about 250 times more uh, genes than us. And you start looking at it that way, you start thinking, I wonder who's running the show. I wonder who's calling the shots. Who needs who more? And then you realize that the relationship is a symbiotic, uh, beneficial relationship. It's not just us because we have college training. Basically, we need each other. We need each other for life. Yeah, it's, it's kind of alienistic when you think about that many species living within us or on us. <laughs> well, it is kind of creepy. And I think because bacteria have such a bad rap and viruses have such a bad reputation, it's amazing how we always think of sterile is good, aseptic is good, 99.99% bacterial free. Well, in our body, if we went uh, to a sterile body, we went to a, a body with no bacteria, we would probably die within about seven days. You know, uh, the, the reason why we have blood groups is because of our bacteria. The blood groups is from the bacteria. The reason why our immune system can be trained is from the bacteria. The reason why we can digest certain foods, it's because we have bacteria. So as much as bacteria can be creepy in the mainstream media, when you look at it at a, at a, at a physiological level, at a microbiological level in the human body, we need bacteria to live. Yeah. So I, so one of my favorite books and one thing that made me aware of like intestinal health and gut health and microbiome was, um, the autoimmune solution by Dr. Amy Meyer. She's an MD. Um, it was very interesting. It talked about, uh, dietary correlation and like probiotics and good bacteria versus bad bacteria. And like you saying, um, the bacteria, you know, generally in the generally in society have a bad rap, but we need good bacteria. We need, you know, good flora. We need certain things to be there. It can't be this empty chasm or this empty space. We won't survive. Right. So, but so interesting to me was the fact that I think she said like 70% of our immune system happens in the gut or is in the gut or, or whatever. It's not what we think it is. You know, um, can you talk or can you speak to that at all? Like immune health mm -hmm. and gut health and that sort of thing. I don't know if this is that we're getting to, sorry. I know that you guys yeah. are, have a plan. I might be intervening too soon here, but what are your thoughts on that? No, it's, it's good. It's a very esoteric subject. And I think um, here we're healthcare professionals and we're like studying it, evaluating it. Can you imagine the average Joe, never been to university, um, thinks of um, you know, antibacterial wipes as good, Lysoling everything is good. And they're wondering, am I doing the wrong thing? So, so here we are talking about such an obscure subject. So interjecting is fine. It, it's very much an amorphous thing. They even talk about our, our bacteria is very ephemeral, which means from day to day, it changes. Um, if you have constipation or bout of diarrhea, your bacteria and single cell species changes. If you have a three day junk food weekend, you can almost lose 40% of your resident flora and it can take months for them to come back. So if right. someone's a junk food eater all the time, they basically decimated their bacteria. And people wonder why, how come I just can't get healthy? I can't get to sleep. I, I have brain fog. Well, you eat junk food every day. So bacteria don't enjoy a lot of sugar. They don't enjoy a lot of trans fats. They hate the fact that people don't eat fiber. So it's amazing how ephemeral they are. And, and we obviously you have to mention poop talking about microbiome, but um, 
but half the dry weight of our poop is actually bacteria. So it's an incredibly amorphous subject. It's dynamic. Um, it can be disgusting. People kind of go, ooh, it's not for me. But if you master it, mental clarity is your middle name. If you master it, immune system strength. If you can master it, you can actually slow down aging. So that being said, we talk about immune system health. Um, the immune system, and they said 70 to 80%, we don't know. And it's obviously, it, it, it can evolve and change. But that amount of the immune system in that 26 feet from your lips to your butt is powerful. So what do you think goes through there? Food. I wonder if I should be more careful of what I eat. You know, so this is where it starts getting interesting. So they've actually shown that what we eat has the biggest impact on our microbiome. What we eat is the biggest impact on our microbiome. So you can literally get a healthy microbiome by changing your diet. And that's where it starts getting wild because who's in charge of the masculatory apparatus? Yeah, you, me, and the whole dental industry. Right. Well, and, and I'm thinking conversely too, it's like once we create an ideal microbiome, we start craving healthier things. You know, the bac bacteria, like you mentioned before, are kind of like running the show uh, on some level, you know, like yeast craves sugar. Like if we take an antibiotic and now we have an overgrowth of yeast in our gut, we're going to crave more sugar, which is going to feed more yeast, which is going to cause, you know, this opportunistic process to continue, you know, so I can see how having the right flora would impact that. But I think it's interesting that, that it goes both ways. It's very I think difficult, it can be difficult sometimes to kind of regain that balance if it's like way off kilter. But once you do, I feel like it's easier to form better habits. Um, if people want to, you get, you get that whole thing of if people need a why. Um, many people want to get in shape, but the first thing you do is trying to figure out how. How is like boring. You can, go, you can Google how. Mm -hmm. It's a why. Like, why do you want to be healthy? Why do you want mental clarity? Why do you want to look better? Why do you want to feel better? Why do you want more energy? When your why is big enough, I'm a mom. I'm a busy healthcare provider. I'm challenged with eight patients' biome being sprayed in aerosols around my operatory. That's a pretty powerful why. I want to look and feel good. Why? Now the how becomes easier. But I think most people focus on the how and they haven't really articulated the why. When your why is powerful, um, I'm a dad. I want to be healthy. I want to slow down aging. I want to be fit. I want a strong immune system. Well, okay, now give me the how. I'll, I'll try anything. And that's how a lot of elite athletes are. Athletes know about the biome. They knew about the biome years ago. I remember back about 14 years ago uh, when I was competing in bodybuilding and all that stuff and weight training. Um, someone told me about this co company called BioK and it's a little yogurt based drink and I talked about it. It's got good ba bacteria in it. This is the first time I've heard about it. So 14 years ago. And I went, what? What do you mean bacteria? And I said, I said, yogurt's the same thing. It is, but yogurt doesn't have the same billions. You can't just have two, bi two billion that's in regular yogurt. You need the 25 billion that's in some of these drinks. And I went, who's involved? They said, athletes have been doing this for the last few years. It's the inside scoop. So now they're actually definitely refining it. This is where it starts getting cool. So athletes will do anything it takes to get faster, stronger, quicker. You know, dentists are a little slower to try. Well, as soon as I go to 17 more courses, as soon as I do another three, three mini residencies in nutrition, I might give it a go. Okay, well, you take your time. We're going to leapfrog ahead of you. Yeah. That's back to that paralysis by analysis, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, in, in get, like you say with the why, so I think a lot of times when we hear, you know, gut health is becoming a little ma more mainstream, we're hearing more about that, but I think a lot of us still think, well, that just has to do with my digestion. So, if we're really looking at the why, why maintain really good gut health, what, is, what else does that you know, govern outside of just our digestive abilities. I hear you saying, you know, it can slow down aging and it can help with brain fog. 
you know, what else does that seem to run the show for? And we'll just, well, body weight and how you manage blood sugar. They've actually, um, without looking at a, two people, uh, the University of Washington in 2013, they took microbiome samples from these people. They took a, a microbiome essay. And without looking at the people, by looking at their, their microbiome, their flora, they actually could tell which one was obese, which one was lean. Which one was obese, which one was lean. They've done studies where they've actually they've taken people who've had micro, micro uh, bacterial transplants because of uh, a condition called C. difficile overgrowth. And what happens is when they gave them a microbiome or a fecal transplant from um, a lean person, this obese person who was suffering from a disease started losing weight simply by changing the biome. For six weeks, she lost weight. But then because she's eating the same diet, she gained back that weight again. So your microbiome, basically what they're saying, is a key factor saying how lean or how, how fat you are. That is a powerful why when people are struggling with diet and weight loss. I bet you can say at any one time, half of us are on some kind of diet. And most of us fail. Like they said, 95% of all diets don't work. So the, the fact that we're, we're limiting calories and doing hours of cardio to lose weight, we've missed. I always, when you look at the primordial common thread, you look at the biome, it's, it's single-celled organisms we need to look at. Not, should I buy a Peloton or should I get dumbbells? Like, let's talk about the single-celled organism in your GI tract. How, you, how can you welcome, welcome lean, healthy biome into your body? Well, eating more salads, you know, eating more variety of foods. And that's where you go. Peloton, elliptical, there's many ways to get in shape. It doesn't matter, there's hundreds of them. But primitively, primordially, if you look at the roots of getting in shape and the roots of being healthy and lean, looking at your biome is the way to go. And, and I've rarely been, when, you, when I hear people online talk about dieting and getting lean, no one's talking about biome. And if they do, they say, oh, you should take a probiotic. That's like the smallest, that's like a tip of the iceberg. The whole iceberg is below the surface. Like probiotics are like a small part of the whole uh, concept. The bulk of it is food, real food. What bacteria have been eating for three and a half billion years. Right. And I think the why, like when we talk about the why and all of this, like it's the number one, when someone has like a strong foundational why and they can see it very clearly and they have discovered that and it's like become this foundational thing for them. That's when like long lasting transformation, I think is able to occur, you know, but I, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was you who posted on Instagram not long ago, like whenever someone is on a diet, it means that eventually that diet will end. It's not a lifestyle change. You're on a diet. So you're temporarily maybe modifying what you're eating or you're, you're temporary, temporarily modifying your lifestyle to achieve a certain like weight goal. And then if, if you truly haven't established your foundational why, or it's not for like, you don't understand your why you're just doing the how it's going to be most likely a temporary and not long lasting change, you know? So I think that all of this is like long-term and it seems like eating the elephant and it's one bite at a time kind of thing. But I think that going back to why, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to have your lifestyle change is going to be the most trans like long lasting transformational thing for people. Mm -hmm. Well, I talked to hygienists and you're so correct though. Like your why could be personal, but also could be inclusive. Like, okay. I could say, you know, I'm in shape. I've been in shape easy. Say I'm a hygienist. Um, but I have a hard time talking nutrition to patients chair side. And I was talking to a hygienist just uh, this week and she was talking about how her, her meal looked incredible. She had a salad, she had feta cheese, she had all the amazing stuff to feed her biome. She said she, she knows very little about biome. I actually, I told her about the Bulletproof Hygiene podcast. I said, if you want to learn stuff, you know, listen to these two amazing uh, professionals out of Florida. Oh. But um, I said, it's one thing doing it. It's another thing being able to explain it. And a lot of people do it 
but they can't explain it well. That's why some of the, the best athletes aren't very good coaches. Mm -hmm. So I said, it's one thing about being good at it yourself and mastering it. It's another thing to learn the language and being able to articulate it and then to be able to tell it in a storytelling fashion within minutes because chair side, that's all we have. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to take out a, a flow chart with the biome and the GI tract, the small intestine talking chair side, mm -hmm. but I'll tell patients so. And the science is there. Um, all disease begins in the GI tract. Uh, the, the stuff that's in the GI tract comes from what's in your mouth. People with less teeth, people with a dry mouth, people with sore jaws don't chew, digest, and absorb nutrients the same way. I'm in charge of your health and prevention. You need me as the gateway to help you have the healthiest digestive system possible. And people go, wow, that's a big thing than getting my teeth polished. I thought I was just getting my teeth polished. No, there's much more to it than that. We'll talk about it after. And now they're thinking, wow, this hygienist is cutting edge. This hygienist is on the, has a finger on the pulse because my medical doctor doesn't talk about it. My dentist just wants to do veneers. You're talking prevention. You're talking whole body health. I like you. What's your name? I'm going to see you again. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the kind of impact I want people to get. And it can happen within minutes if you can have the same kind of authentic belief in it. I, and think, oh, I'm just going to memorize it so I can be busier. Well, believe it authentically. And that persuasibility will come from your enthusiasm. As you can see, I'm a little enthusiastic about this subject. <laughs> and, you're very, and you're very influential on these subjects because we could see your enthusiasm. And I'm sure that most people feel that way when you're talking. It's like anything you truly believe, like people can see if you believe it. You know, it becomes mm -hmm. pretty obvious, I think, pretty quickly if you do believe it. But I think that that is a great, what you just said, like we only have a few minutes to talk about these things. You know, we have our patients like as our captive audience for usually an hour, but like there's so many things that we cover in that span of time. I think that just saying what you just said could be that influencing factor that helps a person to consider why, why would I like to change? Why would I like to make a lifestyle change? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about tooth loss and saliva and those are all things dental. You know, a doctor will say, I had a patient the other day said, I have an earache. The medical doctor said, they did all these tests. It's not your ear, go talk to your dentist. So, so the jaw, saliva, tooth chewing is all us. Mm -hmm. So uh, even chair size, when a patient says, they'll ask a hygienist many times, you know, should I get that space? You know, I have no teeth on the lower right. Do I need to get that filled? And you might say, if, you didn't, if someone didn't understand it, well, when, when, when you get the money? Well, let me tell you what, the minute you start chewing better and more efficiently, you'll be able to di chew, digest, and absorb nutrients better. How you obsess nutrients is either going to speed up aging or slow down aging. I think it's very important for you to establish and get full integrity of your chewing arch. Let's talk to the dentist when they come in. Wow, that's a big difference in saying you'll do it when you can afford it. So you can't afford not to because who you are, and I always say your joints, your brain, your liver, your shoulder, your heart, all come from the foods you eat. People who have more teeth, more saliva, better chewing function, break down, digest, and absorb nutrients better. You will be healthier. You will have better joints with it. How can you not want to replace that space as the teeth drift and your chewing function changes? Let's talk to the dentist when he comes in. I want to get you as healthy as possible. That doesn't take much to say that. And it's real. It's, it's scientific. It's backed up with research. It's totally legit. Uh, you just have to believe it. You know? yeah. so, um, yeah. so whether it's a missing tooth or a loose tooth or a recession or sensitivity, um, it all relates to how well you can eat and chew and how efficient you are digesting and absorbing the nutrients. Right. And, and anecdotally, like I practice in South Florida, so I see a lot of the aging population, a lot of retirees down here. A lot of the population is over age 65. And I can see a significant difference in that population who has lost teeth, who has active perio in regards to 
the nutrients that they can eat and absorb, like you're saying, like the foods that they're actually functionally able to eat, but also their social capabilities. Like, do they want to socialize with their friends or not? Like, are their teeth present or not? Like, so can they digest their food? Is it causing airway collapse? Is it causing facial collapse? Are they proud of their smile or not? It influences their, especially their end of life. You know what I mean? As, as patients lose teeth, I see them like become like less capable. They, they want to socialize less or less healthy toward the end of their life. It's not a good way to go. You know, like we have this aging population, we're able to live a lot longer, but like, we don't have to go there with disease. You know what I mean? We don't have to go there with disease and discomfort. It doesn't have to be like this slow kind of detrimental process, you know, and what you just said, I think hits the nail on the head. It's just like making them aware, showing your passion, calling attention to something and then giving them options and opportunity to discuss it further. And then they can make an educated decision for themselves. Exactly. And I think sometimes when someone's 30, 35, 60 seems very far away, right? Mm -hmm. 60 seems very far away. But when you've, someone's retired, paid off their house, the kids are growing up, 60 to 90 can be a magical time. It's one third of your life. Mm -hmm. One third can be magical, independent living, good brain, good hips, good knees, good mind, good heart, good liver, um, all your teeth looking attractive. A third of your life could be amazing with less financial issues. You're not going to be raising children at that point. So you can only do it if you're if you have a good brain and a good mind and a good GI tract. To, to, to bring it back to the microbiome, they've actually shown that the amount of species of bacteria decreases as we get older naturally. So with um, age five, six, seven, teenager, 20, just remember those times when we could eat anything we wanted and go to bed and get up, have a good sleep. At age 50, 60, 70, 80, species decreases dramatically. So it means you don't digest food as well. There's lots, well, most people at 15, 20 don't have a lot of food challenges. They can eat anything they want. Age 70, I can only eat this. I, I love this. It's the only kind of salad that agrees with me. This agrees with me. So what happens is the life is being diminished and it's all by food. So technically, if you can actually slow down that species loss, I believe you can slow down aging. And um, intermittent fasting, like this, a little off topic, intermittent fasting increases species variety. Eat, in, increasing the amount of variety in your food increases species variety. Exercise increases the species bacterial variety. Um, being peaceful uh, increases species variety. Getting good sleep increases species variety. So these could possibly be the fundamental reasons why sleep, managing stress, exercise, and salads help you live longer. It could basically be the roots of that tree. It could simply be it keeps the number of species more dynamic and uh wider in variety so you could handle the storms of life between 60 and 90. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I did a little reading too, and I, I don't understand the correlation, but it sounds like the microbiome can also have an impact on our kind of mental health, like our mood and our, you know, like you said, the brain fog thing. How does that come into play? Well, a couple of people have studied it in Ireland and Scotland. They call it psychobiotics, psychobiotics. They've actually shown that people who have no anxiety and people who have anxiety or depression have different microbiome. And it was first studied in rodents. They, what they did was actually they, they took uh, rodents that were very shy and rodents that were very extroverted and out there. Um, they did a, a microbiome transplant. They took the biome of the outgoing rodents, mice, transplanted it into the timid rodents' bellies. And within seven to 14 days, the timid mice were acting more dynamic and social. So literally people with different emotional status, uh, outgoing status have different biome. So can you get a personality transplant? Kind of, 
Yes, basically, you can. But when you think about it, depressed people have different biomes. Depressed people eat. So that's why I had one dentist. I was on a uh, program. And Dennis, I love Dennis, but they always want to talk about evidence-based. And he said, Uj, could it just be correlational? When you're depressed, uh, could that be the reason why the biome changes? Well, we don't know exactly that chicken or the egg thing. But what we do know, though, when the biome changes, when the biome changes in diversity, when the biome changes in losing species, what happens is disease often follows. So sure, when the disease is there, the biome changes. It's like when you have a sinking ship, the rats get out. But in the beginning, though, by the beginning, though, if the biome changes, disease comes next. So the whole idea is to, is to keep your biome stable, dynamic, and diverse, like a, a rainforest. And if you think of a rainforest has thousands of species of bushes, trees, and leaves. Just like your investment portfolio, the more varied and diverse your portfolio is, uh, Trissa, what it means that you're less susceptible to a Bitcoin plunge or gold going down. But if all you have is Bitcoin, if you get, I just sold my house and we put all our money into Bitcoin, you're vulnerable. So the more varied your investment portfolio, the more varied your, your biome, the healthier and more your ability to weather physical, emotional um, storms in life. Diversify the biome. Mm -hmm. Also, I would think that biome, you know, microbiome and our, our gut health somehow correlates or influences our hormones and like hormonal health or balance. Do you know if there's any like truth to that or if there is a correlation between that? Because that I know, like if we think just very basically, like our hormones impact how we feel and think in our mood and that sort of thing. So is there like, what's the correlation between that? Again, the science is still young. Like when I'm talking to science, I, I haven't done these studies. I read the studies. I, I love reading this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the first phase of the Human Microbiome Project just finished in 2012. So it's very new. Haven't done the say, a phase two yet at the National Institute of Health. However, what they're saying, though, and this is actually Robin Chutkin out of her book, The Microbiome Solution, uh, Julia Enders in her book called Gut, said up to 90% of the serotonin. And we all know right now, if the three of us, um, say if I had really low serotonin, I'm probably going to be depressed. I'm probably all going to have stomach upset. So anyone who has really low serotonin is, has a sense of emotional um, unease. Depressed people have really low serotonin. Um, it's hard to have good, good well-being and a sense of emotional balance without serotonin. That's just one of them. That's one of the hormones. So here we now, and up to 90% of it is now made in the intrachromorphin cells in the GI tract. So the intrachromorphin cells in the GI tract make serotonin. Melatonin now, even though it's pumped out by the pineal gland, also uh, has 400 times more of it is in the GI tract. And melatonin is a big part of the immune system. So when you think of hormonal balance and neurotransmitters, um, you can almost, as I think more and more, and as I talk to people with issues, I'll start with, people start saying they have this problem, or I'm feeling depressed lately, or I'm not sleeping well, or I'm not able to diet, or I have lots of cravings. It can almost all come back to these single-celled organisms. Like, it, it's pretty wild. And then uh, you gotta think, if bacteria have been on the planet for three and a half billion years, Homo sapiens, 300,000. We're like a blip, we're like a blip in the, in the whole calendar of the earth being around. Mm -hmm. So they're even talking about the fact that bacteria could have been communicating. This is actually um, a scientist now, immunologist, microbiologist. Bacteria might have been communicating with insulin and adrenaline billions of years ago. So, and here we think it's a very human thing. Uh, no, um, we actually need them more than they need us. What they do though, they need us because they can't move around. So, but when they're now inside us, now they can multiply. When you think about it, if they're in charge of the blood groups, blood groups, which is all different blood types and not getting a transfusion, 
is made by the bacteria, all by the communication early on. That's why when a baby's born, they're basically born with zero biome. But as they come down the birth canal and get surrounded by mom's uh, vaginal flora, they now get mom's flora. And if, if they breastfeed the baby, now the, mom, the baby has even more varied biome. And but in the beginning though, a baby could actually get, could take blood from any blood type because there is no blood type in a brand new baby. And we're talking like in the first day of life. But the blood groups only become after the bacteria form. Because then the bacteria say, hey, we don't want that blood. We want this type. So it, it, it's, it's wild. Like it, there's not, there's very few conditions where biome don't have a place in the conversation. And because most people understand it, most people, I just saw an article the other day that 42% of adults are obese. 42% of adults are obese in North America. 42%. If you're obese, it, it means you have, so the 42% have a different microbiome than people who are lean. And obesity is just creeping up and up and up. So people are pulling their hair out. They're stapling their stomach. They're doing uh, all kinds of $25,000, $30,000 surgeries to remove parts of the stomach and put sleeves on. But you got to understand it at a biome level. And they don't because the obesity is just creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And they have a different biome than lean people. People who find like, uh, Brittany, you look like someone that's, that has an easy time staying lean, right? Am I, am I guessing? Like you're... Yeah, oh, yeah, overall. Yeah, my parents do too. So I think it is at least somewhat genetic. But genetic, but you might have inherited though, the bacterial footprint though, right. and just there. So, but now you eat a certain way. So even if you ate like three days of junk food, your probably body wouldn't change. Well, some people say, if I look at food, I gain weight. Right. Because some people have obesogenic bacteria. If someone eats a lot of uh, fat and uh, processed carbs, they actually foster the growth of bacteria who like fat and carbs. What happens is, so when they eat fat and carbs, they have a more explosive dopamine spike and enjoyment pleasure out of them. Well, if you and I, if we stay lean easy, you eat uh, a Big Mac or you eat a shake, you're like, yeah, I get, I'm only going to finish. Who wants my shake? Other people go, I want that whole thing. So people who are obese or find it hard losing weight or hard, find it hard to say no, um, their bacteria generate more neurotransmitters that generate pleasure in the pleasure part of the brain, in the nuclear accumbens part of the brain. Well, you, you may not have that. You might have it for drawing or art or, you know, or working for a Spodak group, okay? You get the same kind of dopamine spike every day. A lot of people don't get that spike, so. Yeah, ironically though, like going back to my family, I would be very interested to know about microbiome in my family because my extended family especially also suffers with diabetes and different types of cancers, eye diseases, heart disease, stroke. Like there's a lot of medical history there. So I am very interested actually, I would be interested to see my microbiome. And I think it'd be interesting to, if we could do like microbiome testing on people to see like, oh, what is, what does this you know population have to do with this? Or what's the correlation between these different things? Hey, Bulletproof Hygienists, it's Brittany and Charissa, and we are thrilled to announce that it's finally here, our comprehensive online mastery course. If you're anything like us, you know that hygiene is more than just a job, it's more than just a paycheck, and it's a whole lot more than just cleaning teeth. It's our calling. If you're ready to take the deep dive, become a top 1% hygienist, and move from going through the motions to loving what you do every day, boosting treatment acceptance, taking communication and team building to the next level, this course is designed for you. Master all the tools you'll need to make our successes your own. Everything from mindset and culture, team organization and calibration, to individualized best practices and verbiage for success. It's all there. Earn five CEs while building your own bulletproof hygiene practice with our proven methodology. To find our course, go to bph.dental and click courses on the left-hand side for all the details.
about it though. Uh, this is Dr. Masmanian of the California Institute of Technology in 2016. He said, if you have your health right here, everyone knows your genes impact your health. No one would argue that. Well, they're saying your microbiome, your gut flora, the bacteria in your body, Brittany, impacts your health as much as your genes do. That is a crazy statement because you and I maybe can't change our genes, but you and I can change our microbiome. How? Changing what you eat. How can I improve it? Having full 28 teeth. How can I make it better? By not having a dry mouth. How can I make it better? By managing stress. And now I have the healthiest microbiome possible. So we can impact our health almost within 24 hours. I'm saying even in a meal, you know, if I eat a great meal and my bacteria is getting the fiber they want, they're getting hydrated, right away you feel better after. But what makes people feel, anytime you eat a, a meal and it makes you feel tired, burpy, bloated, and you get some reflux, that's probably not a meal your bacteria is happy. Your bacteria are very primitive. They're not happy, they'll tell you it's bloating. They're not happy, they'll pump up acid out into your esophagus. They're not happy, they'll make you tired. Like, so eating meals shouldn't make you tired. Like eating should enliven you, not take your energy. Right. I think there are instances when we're going through like a gut microbiome transition though, when that might be confusing, because I think that when people are on like elimination diets, it may feel more like a detox at first. They may have like flu-like symptoms or not feel good when they're positively trying to shift their diet. Whereas like maybe if our microbiome was already healthier, we would automatically feel better. You know what I mean? I think there's maybe a period of time where during the transition, like we're the bad bacteria that we're trying to get rid of are not being fed what they want to be fed and they're not getting whatever feedback they want. And so we might feel worse first, you know, we might feel the fatigue first as we're going through this transition. Yeah. Okay. I like the way you said that. It's like, if you had a really dirty house mm -hmm. and you're going to do a cleanup, it, for the first hour, it looks even messier. So that makes sense to me. So like, yeah. but the thing is though, um, people want to do all these cleanses and I'm thinking you can't replace the liver. The liver is the number one detoxifier. Your lungs are detoxifying all the time. Um, your GI tract is detoxifying all the time. Our immune system is. So as people say, oh, I'm doing a cleanse. Do you think that little pouch of powder can replace your liver? Like everything we eat goes through our liver. Like not one thing goes to anywhere unless it passes through the liver first. Mm -hmm. The cool thing is though, you know, there's one food group though that doesn't go to your liver first. Guess what it is? Fat. Fat goes into the bloodstream directly to the heart. So when we eat poor quality fat, tons of have too much fat in our diet, guess what? They said after a fatty meal, a really a fast food meal, literally your blood fat goes up immediately. Um, that fat goes through your heart first. So um, that's an aside. That's how bad people think, oh, fat and protein, fat and protein, because no fiber is included. When people say I'm on a, a high carb, no, sorry, high protein, high fat diet, low carb, constipated and lacking fiber. I'm not a fan of those diets for the long term. It might make, make a couple, you know, a person get ready for a photo shoot. But for long term health, I was in a, an all day course with a nutritionist from a professional baseball team. She said carbs is one of the biggest things pro, pro athletes eat. You can't run up and down a basketball court for three hours on a high protein, high fat diet, you, you will gas out very quickly. So um, that being said, that was a little off track there, but the liver though is a huge detoxifier. And the kidneys are detoxifier, the lungs are detoxifier. So when people take a little pouch, oh, I'm doing a detox. Mm -hmm. um, really, I think you've been detoxing your whole life. No, no, I'm just starting today. No, you were doing it with the, when you took a breath in. So it's funny, we think it's, oh, it's, all, it's a little pouch. No, your liver has been detoxifying since day one, I'm sorry. So I'm always trying to help people without judging them, but that is not detoxifying. Like breath, 
kidney, detoxifying all the time. Right. Yeah. So obviously I'm feeling the vibe for how important all of this is. Lay it on us with, if food is the answer, then what should we be eating? What, would, what, are, what is going to revamp our gut health? What's going to get that microbiome where it needs to be? Okay, there's many bottlenecks. Um, I would say the number one, and let me just get it here. I just have it, um, uh, the, the number one thing we can eat. Let me just, I'm just looking at my, I'm still going to a slideshow. I, this, this is actually an all day course. So I'm just, uh, just kind of make sure I have my slides here. So um, fiber is number one. I can't tell you how much fiber is number one. It, there's, there's no lobby group for fiber. There's no one outside the White House saying we want more fiber, but uh, I'm serious and, and fiber, uh, immunologists like, like uh, uh, Rob Knight and Jeff Sonnenberg at the University of California at Stanford, they say our gut flora, our bacteria, bar none. This, I've heard this, it was, this is in Scientific American, not in Muscle and Fitness or People Magazine. It was in Nature Journal one year later. They said our gut flora, our bacteria, have a foundational, primitive, all or nothing love affair with fiber. That's all they want. That is all they want. And where these gut flora ferment, they ferment the fiber. The, fer the fiber's fermented in the large intestine, the last five feet. The last five feet is where fiber is fermented by bacteria. And if you, what happens was these bacteria ferment the fiber. They then make short chain fatty acids. I know it sounds like a big long name, but short chain fatty acids are some of the most potent anti-inflammatory things, Trissa, that you are, you're, you're my body makes. So if you're my body, you're getting fiber every day, our bodies are pumping out short chain fatty acids, which are anti-inflammatory. Skin is smooth, not very much joint pain, mental clarity, less reflux, things working well. However, if we're not getting fiber, the body now can't douse the flames of inflammation, eczema, psoriasis, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, refractory periodontitis, things not getting better, itchy eyes, itchy back of the throat, itchy scalp. And you're thinking, what do I need to take to fix this? You need to eat fiber. I know, I'd like to make it more complicated. What's the prescription for that? Um, <laughs> you can get it in your grocery store. Is there a certain kind? Do I gotta go GMO or organic? No, just grab a head of lettuce. Is there a certain kind of lettuce? And is there romantic, like people make it so complicated. It's, I, I feel like wringing their neck, but I wanna help them live. So the whole idea of being though, if, if someone is not eating fiber, it's impossible to be healthy. To, to, to give you an idea how few people eat fiber, that now I've heard this, read it in three different sources now, Robin Chutkin, Emron Mayer, uh, Michael Mosley, he wrote a book called The Fast Diet in 2013. So 97% of North Americans don't eat enough fiber. So what does that mean? Only 3%. So when you think about it, when you think about it, when you look out into an audience, when you look at patients, who is really enjoying mental clarity, fresh breath, pain-free joints? Who's on no medicine? Who doesn't come in, who, who never has a sick day? Who's aging slow? Who doesn't have a chronic disease? Who looks alert first thing in the morning? About 3% of people, they're actually saying it's impossible to be healthy uh, with eating less fiber. It's actually impossible. As much as oxygen is important and water is important and sleep is important, fiber is a close second. And protein, because of its the cattle industry, like a huge lobby, so meat, protein, cattle, meat, protein, cattle, right? That guy, Nusar Et, you know Nusar on Instagram with the salt bay? 
I need to do a, a fiber base, some kind of sprinkling on asparagus. But he, he makes it sound like everyone needs to have a pound of meat a day. There's essential, essential fats in fish. Fiber, no one talks about because fiber is not sexy. Fiber, people think of pooping and pooping is not sexy either. But if someone hasn't pooped for three days, it's hard to be sexy, okay? So, so um, good digestion is an important part of having relationship happiness. <laughs> And, and what is enough fiber? Like, where, what should we be shooting for? Ah, well, um, they say 25 grams a day for women, 35 for men. And that number kind of goes down as you get older. And right away, whenever I say that on a podcast, people will go, oh, I'm on this FODMAT diet. Or that's because some people have messed up their digestive tract so much, they can't even take fiber in. Does that make sense? So they're so sick, they have to go on a low fiber diet. There's certain fiber they can't eat because their body's so sick. You said, ooh, how's that possible? I thought their bacteria craved it. Well, it's like a child that's been abused physically, emotionally, or sexually. Uh, they, they can't take a hug. So if hugs are good, people who are hypersensitive, or have a lot of emotional abuse, sexual, physical abuse, they can't be hugged, right? They cringe. So fiber is good, but for some people who have such messed up GI tracts, they can't take the fiber. So now they've got to go on a FODMAP diet. That's, that's a whole other ballgame. But but on average, Joe, the average Joe without a messed up GI tract is 25 grams a day for women, 35 for men. It goes down a little bit as you get older. So maybe about age 60, you might only need 20, 20 for women and about 25, 30 for men. But that being said, less than 3% eat that much. So people say, Ooch, how can you look, you know, you're 50, what the heck's going on? Like you're doing one-arm chin-ups, you look happy, you look like you, you memorize like 30 different dates in an article. How the hell do you do it? I said, well, I do a couple of really th good things every day. I eat a heck of a lot of fiber. I eat a salad a day. I eat edamame beans like crazy. I eat an avocado a day. It's life-changing. Two, one, two apples a day. So um, if you follow me around all day, he's like, ooh, you didn't do anything really special, but you do some things every day. Is that why you look and feel the way you do? And it's, it's no secret. So this, this is my essential self. So I, I'm sharing everything here today with you guys. But uh, if you followed Michael Phelps around and some of the top athletes, they're eating fiber. They're... Uh, looking at good sources of fat, they know that the liver, fat bypasses the liver when it's eaten, it goes directly into the bloodstream. So if you're gonna eat fat, you know, extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, hemp oil, you know, um, good fish, you know, so you really gotta do this well. I was just gonna ask, um, just to make it, just to simplify it for listeners, like if we're talking about fiber, we're probably not talking about a fiber one bar that contains a lot of sugar and preservatives or, you know, any like fiber supplements or anything like that. So like you just listed some foods that yes. are like fiber rich, right? So could you list some more foods that are fiber-ish just to break it down and make it super simple? Sure, and, and I, I don't, I, don't I, I realize dental people are smart. We, we like, like, have you ever seen a dentist eat a sandwich slowly at lunchtime? No, not at all. How fast did Dr. Spodak eat the meal? It, it's gone. You're like, did you drop it? No, it's gone. How can you plate something? It's gone. It's like, dentists eat that quick. Like, 12-inch sub, uh, doctor, you drop your sub? No, it's, it's gone. Like, we eat quick. You know? Standing up, it, standing up. We don't have to sit down. We stand uh, up or lunch the and we move to the next doctor, patient. What's lunch? Everything, everything's standing up. So so we like results fast. You know, I took my put my Mac on. Where the heck's the internet? Um, Give it time to the electricity to go through your Mac. So, so when you say fiber one bars, fiber supplements, can I get avocado in a supplement? Can, can, I, can I get it dehydrated? Can, can I put it in ice cream? Like, so I don't blame you. Like you look like you're in, you know, you, look, you like results fast. However, whole food is number one. Like whole food has no ingredients on it. Avocado, 
has no ingredient on it except avocado. Apple just has apple on it. So supplements are a very poor third, fourth, fifth. Mm -hmm. Food is number one. Mm -hmm. So sure things like Metamucil can get someone through a two or three day bind, but only on the advice of your doctor. Like, but I wouldn't just, I know people say, yeah, I take Metamucil all the time. I'm like, who the hell told you that? Oh, I, I read it somewhere. You read it somewhere? Like you're basing your, your digestive system that's in charge of your blood groups, your immune system, and you read it somewhere. So, so none of the fiber supplements work as well as food. Mm -hmm. So avocado, apple, green leafy vegetables, okay? So vegetables and app fruit have pre and probiotics on them. They have prebiotics inside. So pro, pro is for biobiotics is life. Pre, people often get confused. Prebiotics, people go, can I take a prebiotic? No, all prebiotics are, it means it sets up an environment that's good for your bacteria. That's all prebiotics do. Gotcha. So basically what prebiotic is basically fiber. Fiber feeds your bacteria. Fiber feeds your bacteria. A lot of fermented foods have pre and probiotic qualities. So if you want to take the next level, fermented foods are also good for the GI tract. So things like miso soup, cheese, kefir, yogurt, kimchi, apple cider vinegar, sauerkraut, pickles, okay? So all those things have, have those are fermented foods are very good for the GI tract. And most of them have pre and probiotic qualities, okay? But that being said though, you, you can forget those nine I would just, I tell people, if you really wanted to start using the benefits now, instead of trying to memorize this list, try and have two fermented foods a day. So something like um, kefir and maybe yogurt or apple cider vinegar, apple cider vinegar and uh, some miso soup, but have two fermented foods a day, but have 25 grams a day for yourself and Teresa. So 25 grams, life-changing. As much as you guys both look alert, happy, your eyes are big and everything else. Uh, it's amazing how much it was like, wow. This is how I felt when I was 12. Like, so I, I, I hang around sometimes with guys my age and they're talking about their prostate, their sciatica, their brain fog, their burping, their bloating, their meds. And I'm thinking like, what's going on? Ooch, now that you're 50, you gotta understand this is how things look when you're 50. I said, well, if you eat and sleep like you do, but the body's, how you, your health is a choice unless you get run over by a car, you know? I always tell them your muscles have no idea how old you are. All your muscles know is if you move or don't move. And they said, oh, you know, easy for you to say. I said, no, no, I bet you in a year, if I ate really sloppy, I could get up to 250 pounds, but I choose not to, you know? So, so again, I don't judge people. I try and help them, but I, I like to help them think, just because you're 30, a woman doesn't look like that. Just because you're 40, you can't expect your face to look like that. Just because you're 50, doesn't mean you got to read War and Peace on the bathroom to poop every day, and it takes you an hour and a half. That's a, that's a choice for crying out loud. You know, <laughs> so on the topic of fermented food being healthy, I have to ask this question on behalf of the dental industry. Why not wine? Ah, so yeah. Katrina Sanders, look, Katrina Sanders, wine, wineology, wine, the wine genist. Um, fermented foods. Um, wine isn't on the list of fermented foods list for some reason. So it's, it's got resveratrol in it. It's got some, it's obviously polyphenols, a little bit, low, you know, increases HDL. It, a little bit can relax you. But you get to the half bottle bottle, you're not choosing good foods at all. You're, you're on your Uber Eats app ordering like a 72 inch pizza. You're on your third, you know, uh, third, uh, what is it? you know, third season of The Sopranos. And it's like four o'clock in the morning, you work at seven. So to go from a little bit of wine as a taste enhancer 
to the bottle to five o'clock in the morning thinking 120 minutes, I see my first patient. It's not, it's not a good idea. So, so again, in moderation, I, I think, and it's one of the things I think as dentists and as hygienists, we always, we take it to the nth degree. Like people say, um, a little wine is good. Can you have too much? Yes, of course. A little bit of exercise is good. Can you exercise too much? Of course. Um, I've had people say, well, you know, six to eight glasses of water a day. Can you drink too much water? Yes, of course. You know, can, can you sleep too much? Yes, of course. Everything can be done too much. So I know why people still ask me, can you, can you, can you, can you have too many probiotics? Can you eat too much salad? Can, like, oh my God, in a relationship, you could love your husband, right? You could love your husband. Yeah. And you could say, I'm going to spend every hour of every day for the next 120 days with you. We're never going to be apart. I'm, you're going to finish my sentences. I'm going to finish yours. We're going to eat together. We're going to shower together. We're going to work together. How long would your relationship last? Like how many days in would you say, I'm calling Dr. Phil. I've had enough. Like, so, so you could have too much love. You could have too much of a good thing. And it's weird thinking like, if I love my significant other, why shouldn't I spend 24 hours a day with him? Because it's too much. You need some separation, right? Distance makes the heart go fonder. So you can have too many avocados. You can have too much kefir. You can have too many probiotics, which, which messes with a lot of dental professionals' minds because we like, it's called paralysis by analysis. We, it's called intellectual disease. We overthink it, you know? Can I be too healthy? Uchi, can, can you be too healthy? Who the hell are you? Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Can you brush your teeth too much? Yes. Can you floss too much? You've seen those, those little, you know, abfraction style lesions, those, you know, people actually floss too much in the, the second or third, the first or second mold. They have that little, almost looks like a, a little yeah, from flossing too much. So, so can you be too healthy? Come on. Like, so, that's clearly really, that's really not our population's problem. Just given the stats that you already like told us about, like the 97% and the 3% of people getting enough fiber. Clearly that's not a problem that most people have. So I don't think we have to worry about the too much True. health and the too much fiber and the too much water and whatever. That's not most people's struggle. Love the way you think. That's awesome. It's, you know, very, very makes sense. Like don't go to the nth degree. Let's just get these people started. Like, mm-hmm. I think I saw a stat that said on average in Canada, we're you know, an affluent country, just like United States is that um, half of Canadians go to the dentist once a year. The other half only go when they need to. That's why I tell patients that all the time. So what happens is I tell when a patient comes in every three months or four months, I'm, I tell them, you're in the top one to 2% of the population for oral care. They say, oh, I still like the fact that I, I still need a crown. I said, no, no, half of Canadians go once a year. The other half don't go at all, except when they have to. Wedding comes up, um, girls night out, whatever. So when someone comes every three or four months, I'm like, incredible, you know, incredible. So the whole idea is I, I like to encourage people. So all that early effort, that early interest is an encouragement, you know. So I'm always about encouraging it. And I try and never discourage. So 97%. So how easy is it to get in the top 3%? Like, if you want to get into the top 1% of income, you will need to earn about $200,000 a year to get in the top 1%. But you can get in the top 3% of GI health by having an avocado and a salad and an apple every day. And you can do that tomorrow. It's hard to triple your income to 200,000 mm-hmm. by Monday, but I can have uh, a top GI health within 24 hours by increasing my fiber intake. And that's where it starts getting cool. I think I'm, I'm changing my neurotransmitters, my mental clarity, my elimination, my immune system. This is, all, this is like the ball is in my court. I'm in charge of my health destiny. Yeah, that's awesome. I have a question um, for, the, for, for the dental community because sometimes I know we are prescribing antibiotics for patients and I know that can kind of wreak a lot of havoc on gut health. 
what should we be recommending? Obviously, you know, at our practice, we really avoid prescribing, but there are those times that it's really needed. So how, what should we instruct our patients when they're taking antibiotics to really maintain and then achieve post-antibiotics good gut health? Well, a great question. I think we've only found out probably in the last 10 years, naturopathic doctors and osteopathic doctors have known for decades antibiotics are good, but they're also evil in the fact that they also, this is what you can tell about antibiotics though. It's not just, it sure might help with the pericarditis or some, or some oral surgeons give antibiotics routinely, prophylactically when they do an implant for some reason. And they'll say, oh, I'm, I just, just to make sure it doesn't get infected. But, um, and most people can tolerate it. But if you have a vulnerable person, and vulnerable meaning poor sleeper, junk food eater, lots of stress, doesn't eat fermented, fermented foods or doesn't eat fiber, which is basically 90% of patients, they're vulnerable. Their antibiotics don't only take away the cellulitis, the bad bacteria, um, they have to help with the infection, but they disrupt the good, be the beneficial flora. So the beneficial flora take up parking spaces in the GI tract. If you think of the a park, a Walmart parking lot. So when all the parking spots are, are taken over by good flora, bad pathogens have no place to park and they flow out of there. But if you disrupt the good flora by taking antibiotics or abuse them by shopping and go to antibiotics from one doctor, it doesn't work, you try another one, another one, or they, they finish off an antibiotic they got for a sore throat from two months ago, happens a lot. What happens is the disrupt the good flora now, there's open parking spaces. And now because every one of us has pathogenic bacteria in us, and every one of us has E. coli, a third of us have, a half of us have H. pylori, um, candida albicans and inside us, and C. difficile, now the pathogenic bacteria flourish. Now they can park. And now you have something called C. difficile overgrowth or pseudomembrous colitis. So anytime I get back antibiotics out for it, and when patients really insist on it or they, they need it because of a, a massive you know, uh, space infection, I'll say, I want you to take a probiotic for 30 days. If I get some resistance, I'm not gonna spend five minutes taking out my PowerPoint from the Hinman Dental meeting and talk about it. I'll say, if you have any doubts, I would say, talk to your pharmacist and ask the pharmacist if clindamycin is gonna upset you. And I will go with that says, but I'm gonna make it, make it my notes that I've recommended something because I'm just concerned about your beneficial flora, which will take a beating with this 10 day course of moxicillin or seven day course of Pen-V. So I would say if, to defer, if you don't have time, talk to your pharmacist. And guess what? A lot of pharmacists, because they sell probiotics in the pharmacy, they will actually recommend one. Mm -hmm. So now I'll say, talk to the pharmacist. I've, not, I've done my legal obligation. I told them, you know, it could upset your stomach. If you want to take a probiotic, it's a good idea. The science shows it's a good idea for 30 days. Um, any doubts, you have any concerns, talk to your pharmacist. They'll make recommendations. And pharmacists then will push, come to shove. I leave it in their hands. We were surprised, though, how many patients have told me over the years, oh, yeah, I took something from a doctor or even one of the dentists here one time. And I was in the hospital for, for 12 days after. I'm like, why didn't you call us? Oh, I, I blame myself. Uh, it was us. We gave you clindamycin and we didn't tell you about uh, probiotics or to talk to your medical doctor or your pharmacist about adding probiotics to, to balance out and create stability in your beneficial floor, which are often decimated by a round of antibiotics. And microbiome solution author, Robin Chutkin, gastroenterologist, she's on Netflix now. She's got something called um, Who We Are. There's a study, there's a series on Netflix. But she said it can take up to two years for your body to get that beneficial flora back from seven days from seven days of, of uh, antibiotics. So the bacteria are powerful, but they're also ephemeral. They're, they're, they're um, yeah, they're amorphous. They're, they, they, they can leave you in the blink of an eye. So I, know that, so I know that we've got, we've got about five minutes left. 
Um, do you, is there something like specific that you want to kind of leave us with or any idea or takeaway that we should gain or our listeners should gain from this topic? I know we could probably talk about it forever, but in the, in the next okay. we, we, you know, we could do a part two, like okay. we could definitely do a part two for mm -hmm. sure. Um, so, so what people need to know is the reason why the microbiome matters, and I just have this on a slide here. So these are like nine things your microbiome does. Um, it, it modulates gene expression. That's part, modulating gene expression means it can change the expression of a gene or not, different kinds of cancers, heart disease, mental illness. So my, the beneficial flora in our bodies modulate gene expression. Two, they help us digest food. They help us digest food. If you are what you eat, you need good flora to help you um, become more and healthier version of who you are. Three, microbiome help maintain the gut lining. The gut lining is a delicate mucus layer that protects you from the acid environment and from the environment in your side, your GI tract. Um, four, they make enzymes. Five, they make B vitamins. B vitamins get depleted when you're stressed out. So people who have better microbiome, more stable, more diverse flora, better. You know some of your friends, they lose it when stress happens. They just like completely lose it. They become paralyzed. And other friends are like just stoic, like solid. They might have a better microbiome, more gut instinct. They've actually shown that fit people, because they said now they said exercise actually helps your, uh, your microbiome in diversity. Fit people also helps your microbiome be more stable. So it helps make B vitamins. K vitamins helps you with blood clotting. They make hormones, you and I have talked about before. They help you ferment carbs, which make anti-inflammatory agents. And they also crowd out harmful bacteria. So those nine things that microbiome do, does, does anyone have any doubt that bacteria could be good for us? Like that's, like that's a powerful slide. And I got that slide from about three to four different books and about uh, five articles. So that was, that's one of my favorite slides. Um, I want to talk about a, 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 an article I wrote with a hygienist out of Toronto. Um, we wrote an article called Gut-Friendly Chairside Conversations. It's a five-page article, 17 references. And it's all about how to have nutrition-friendly conversations with patients so they understand it without you having to get take out a big flow chart. So um, I can make that article available on the front page of my website. I can almost make, I can send it to you as a Word document if you like, and if people want it, they yeah. can actually get it from you, you guys, yeah. so. Great. And I wrote that, that hygienist um, uh, Instagram is um, at toothboss. So tooth underscore boss. So, you know, dentists talk about nutrition, but hygienists go, whatever. We know prevention. You guys do crowns, right? So I had to write an article with a hygienist just to get some clout, just to get some cachet value. No one wants to listen to me unless I write something with a hygienist. So, so at tooth underscore boss is um, her Instagram. Got it. I love it. Uche, I know you're a big, big reader. So do you have a, a top book or two on microbiome that you would recommend? Um, I like the microbiome solution. I, I recommend it to patients all the time. Um, there's a hundred different kinds of autoimmune diseases. And now word has it that autoimmune diseases start in the GI tract. Autoimmune, so think of like MS, fibromyalgia, ankylosing spondylitis, eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, start in the GI tract. So I got patients that are just completely at odds. Like they come in sores, they have psoriasis, they have reflux, brain fog. And I'm, oh, I, 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 be careful with that algae. I can't go too far back. I post nasal drip. So anything that's chronic, anything that's autoimmune, I said, you know what? Here's a really good book. And I'll, and I'll take my phone out. And I said, it's called The Microbiome Solution. It's written by a, a GI doctor. It's not meant for doctors. It's meant for anyone. And it's an incredible good book explaining the microbiome. The people that don't really, and I, I don't think everyone has to get excited about it as me. And sometimes they go, thanks, doc. They don't even look at me. I'm thinking like, no, it's just not their time. Right. You stay looking and feel like the way you are. But people already go, give me your phone. 
And this, you know, 85 year old lady will take a screenshot of my phone with her mm-hmm. iPhone 12 for crying out loud. And she goes, click, click. She goes, got it. And I'm like, good for you. That's why you're 86. Like still interested, still curious, still hungry. So the microbiome solution is one of my, one of my top books for sure. Awesome. You are amazing, Uche. I am so thankful for, for who you are and putting yourself out there like you do, the passion you have and the, the willingness to share with everyone. I just, you're a gift and I'm really, really appreciative, appreciative of your time and your knowledge and your sharing. Yep, I love sharing, love sharing, love sharing. Thanks, Brittany. You guys, you guys are great too. Like I know this, this whole podcast is like, I know you guys have written a book and this podcast is new in the last couple of months, but um, it's incredible what you're doing. Like it's, it's not easy doing a podcast. It's not easy putting stuff together. It's not easy getting guests and integrating it and doing all the software and the marketing. So I think it, we belong to the Mutual Admiration Society. So the MAS, the three of us. So I admire you. I, I admire you. The dentist you got in your, in your office, uh, Brittany. And Trissa, you're in Atlanta though, right? Is that where you are? Right, yes. Okay, I knew that. Okay, sorry. I just, for some reason I, I thought you were both at, with Spodak. No. No worries. So how, how did you two meet? How did, how did you, Brittany, meet? The so Dr. Spodak and Dr. Bolden are very good okay. buddies and okay. they, they got us connected. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. I like they it. They set us up on a blind date. They, uh, they flew me out to Charissa um, to learn a bunch. And one of the hygienists, uh, our hygienist Ashley and I went for a day in 2018. And then of course we fell in love with Charissa because for obvious reasons. And then we changed some things in our practice. Charissa and I started collaborating and then kind of a bunch of things came from that. Yeah, that's good. Oh, you have to. I, th- I think when you learn new stuff, you feel weird not sharing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it looks like Tristan and Brittany, obviously you guys, are, you want more, but I think sometimes the only way to get more in is if you share it. And mm-hmm. some people hog information and they have a very scarcity mentality. Like I know the best crown prep is when I keep it to myself. Like Craig Spodak is the biggest hearted sharer in the world. But mm-hmm. I think the more I share, the more I get new stuff in. The more I share, the more I get a neat um, opportunity or a, a, a book deal. So mm-hmm. anytime you share, you empty your cup and then the universe fills it up again. Mm-hmm. But if, if so, it's more of an abundance mentality. I think it works well as, as a teacher's lecture. And I'm a student, like I, I love learning. I love learning. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, that being said, I have a feeling that this will probably not be the last time you hear from Bulletproof Hygiene and Zuko <laughs> together, just because it's you're just such a wealth of knowledge and you inspire me every single time I hear you. So I am so grateful for you. Where are you next? What's happening? What you, what you got on the docket? Cool. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm writing a book for this big publisher. So I'm, I'm behind because I'm keep packing more and more in. So the first draft is work set. So the book is going on. Starting September 9th, I'm going to be at the CDA North in San Francisco all day Thursday. That meeting's going live in person. On Friday, Saturday, I'm going to be Boca Raton, Florida, the American Association of Dental Office Managers in Boca Raton. Is that close to you, Brittany? Where, where is that in Delray? 15 minutes away from me. It's oh, wow. south of Delray, so I'll have to come crash the party. I would love to crash. So, a, so American Association of Dental Office Managers, I'm pretty sure Dr. Spodak's manager should oh. be there. Like it's, oh, yeah, yeah. Erica will be there. It's an amazing graphics. So I'm doing two programs there. I'm in Seattle, um, San Antonio, um, Hollywood, Florida in December. Um, uh, there's about nine other cities that nice. I haven't booked the flights yet. Just got my double vaccination. I got, I got my second dose last week so I can more confidently get my visa working. And um, I'll be flying out to San Francisco on the 8th of September. I come back every two days. People think 12 cities, 12 weeks. I said, I'm not on the road for three months. Uh, I fly out Thursday, come back Saturday, fly out Friday morning, come back Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, floss every day. So. Uh, 
Well, keep us up to date with what you're doing and we can't wait sure. for part two of um, talking about this and we'll have to be sure to talk about leaky gut and some other uh, interesting things on this on this topic. But thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure. Everybody have a wonderful week and you've all got guts. Put them to use. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.